0: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: Okay, welcome to the show. It is Greeny here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM 80, or on your smart speaker. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Alongside Hembo, Evan Cohen in for Greeny today. Normally you hear me, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. with Chris Canty, Michelle Smallman, Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. And yeah, there's a lot of sports going on. Draymond got suspended, of course. We got a Thursday Night Football between the Bengals and the Ravens. Um, yeah, but there's a situation that happened. You know, there's so much great show prep that went into this show, including Hembo really texting me with great information. What, what, what ha- I walk in this morning, okay, so Cam and Bubba have to hear this. I don't believe that they have heard this yet. So I walk in this morning, and Hembo, kind of in a way of like holding it against me, like, hey, uh, you didn't respond to any of my text messages. And I said, I didn't get any of your text messages. And he said, well, maybe if you didn't have my number, that's why. I said, no, I respond if I get them. And you proceeded to give me the number that you were texting me on, which is not my telephone number. (laughs) So who were you, who knows about this show today before I did? And I'm one of the two hosts with you on the show. Some other dude
2: named Evan Cohen, apparently. In my phone, I have that name with a number that is not yours. I don't know another person with your name. Right. I don't know how it would have gotten there. I even Googled Evan Cohen's and could find no one that it could even You
0: be. already had an Evan Cohen in your phone uh, yes, and then and just started texting him. And it,
1: Not even the right one. I just started texting But you texting don't know him. who that actual person and is. And he never responded saying But Sorry. he knows more about this show than I do. No, he knows what we're doing and you obviously do not. <laughs> I do now, <laughs> but I didn't at the time, because Bubba, he was like holding it against me like. yeah. I mean, I agree this is an amazing opportunity to be a part of Greenie, right? I treat it as such. I prep. I have my notes. I have my communication with Cam and Bubba, et cetera. But Hembo, I walk in and I'm no I'm like not a good teammate. I don't appreciate the stage that we're on. Yeah even though he's texting some other random person. Yeah, we got off on a really bad footing, Bubba. Uh,
2: really bad footing, Cam, because like I was really excited about today. I love being here with Greenie on a daily basis, but this is a different opportunity, a new opportunity, a fresh opportunity. You're still relatively new with us, so I thought yeah. I'd, you know, like, you know, lay the groundwork for our first full show together, and I was trying to. My, I was like, why is this jerk not texting me like back? How, like, how many texts are we talking about? Like, uh, like how many? I'd say like half a dozen. <laughs>
0: You're just fired oh off topics. God. I
2: start by delivering my... My number I, hey because we had not exchanged numbers so I just as well I, I thought we had because it was in my phone and then <laughs> yeah, I asked a question. you off I think and then I asked a question no response then I made a declarative statement <laughs> 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 then asked another question and then I figured something was rotten in now
1: there. I was on with you guys yesterday and we did beef about Josh Allen we did did any part of you think that I took it personally like that I wasn't responding to you no I, I thought
2: it was likely that you were just one of these people that don't feel obligated to text other people back like so There are some people that like, will only receive texts and not return them or will maybe just like, indicate that they read it. Like I thought maybe you were one of those guys. No. You're a little wow. young to be one of those guys, but I thought that you may have just been, uh, been one of those guys. Okay, so Truly.
1: Two, two things. One, I think Cam and Bubba should call whoever it is that's on the other end of those texts and see if we can get that person on, <laughs> see what they think about the show rundown. And two, I have a theory based on this that I was not going to bring up that hit me yesterday, Okay, which is ironic that you said this. I think the best way to get a response from somebody on text message is actually to text them, don't worry about responding. Hmm. Think about this. If I sent you a text and I said, Hemba, don't worry about responding. Just want to see tomorrow at X, Y, and Z, whatever you want to do. Don't you feel like, oh, you're challenging me to actually respond?
2: Yeah, I would say that's passive aggression.
1: Yeah. At its finest, really. Like my wife texted somebody yesterday that doesn't normally text back immediately, and she put the don't worry about responding, and the person responded right away. I think I have a new theory. Sometimes
2: I'll do that and I'll say no worries either way, which is my way of saying this is something that I
1: desperately want. Right, right. Exactly. (laughs) Same kind of idea. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Bubba, you in on trying to
0: book whoever it is that Hembo is texting <laughs> for the show today? I mean, I'm certainly—I know there is, obviously, the other Evan Cohen who works here already, but I—, I Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, There's there, another one of there's you? One, there's a producer. I think he's in T—but I don't know why Hembo would have his number. I met no, him I one time. wouldn't. But, yeah, so I don't know who this person is. I'm yeah, I'm curious. I'd like to know who this person is. We should, we should, give, we should give him a call I'll and find, find out the what the deal code. is. And we should ask Yeah, what's Yeah, what is the area code? I'll look like, it up now.
1: We should I, ask them all the questions that Hembo was asking me. You yeah, know what I did. Right? I
0: actually,
2: I have since, uh, 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 I'm sorry about this. I actually deleted this other Evan Cohen's number this morning because I was worried about confusing them with your new one that you gave, well, not your new one. It's the not one my new that one. You gave this me. is just my number. Either way, I'm, just his number. I'm going to have to go pretty deep into my phone here to, to find the old Evan Cohen before we reach out to
0: him. Okay. All right. So we'll, we will we'll maybe. Won't it just be there in your, te- or you deleted all the texts? Uh,
2: I'll, look, I'll look now, Bubba. I was so, not prepared to do this off the top. I'm sorry. I was looking at the show rundown, ready to talk about
1: sports. Well, okay. So basically, well, that what was we're your saying first mistake. <laughs> yeah, exactly, I'm with you, Bubba. So basically, what we're saying today is, hi, it's me. I'm Evan Cohen, filling in for Greeny. And later today, we may have Evan Cohen. Bubba, on.
2: the uh, the area code was seven seven four.
1: What is that area code? I'm usually pretty good at area codes. Like hmm. if you give me a random area code, you would know. You're yeah, seven seven three. Worcester, Mass. Oh. Worcester, Mass. <laughs> Worcester. Huh. Interesting. Okay. I don't, right. I don't know what to make of that. Let's 773, I feel like, is Chicago, right? That And 312. Worcester, Mass. We could literally do calls at 888-SAY-ESPN on the Dr. Pepper call in line. You give us the, the area code. We'll see if we can get it right. That's riveting. Right. I, I actually think it is. I'm going to be honest with you. It's
2: more of a baseball season topic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, when you liked baseball, there were no phones <laughs> like in the 1800s. Phones? We were using candles to yeah. light ourselves. Oh God! Anyway, all right. It is uh, Greeny here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Last night, the Celtics beat the Sixers 117-107. Boston did it without Jalen Brown. They did it without Chris Tapps, Porzingis. Both teams have obviously been great this year. And here's my big take on this game with the Celtics winning without two of their stars. I don't care. And the reason I'm saying I don't care is the ultimate compliment to the Boston Celtics. It's the same reason that I would say for the Kansas City Chiefs for a regular season win or the Philadelphia Eagles for a regular season win. When you're good enough to graduate from me caring about regular season wins, I'm not going to care about regular season wins unless you're playing against one of those teams that has graduated with you. I.e. Monday Night Football this week. On ESPN, the Chiefs and the Eagles, I care about who wins that game. I don't think it's going to determine who wins the Super Bowl by any stretch of the imagination. So if the Boston Celtics had a regular season win on the road at the Denver Nuggets, okay. Two teams that have graduated from me caring about regular season wins, that will make me excited. The Philadelphia 76ers, with how great they've been this year, and the fact that Tyrese Maxey is going to potentially make an all-NBA team, and with an MVP in Joel Embiid, have not graduated yet, from that appearance. Like they're, they're, not, they're not in the Eastern Conference Finals. They have not been in the NBA Finals. Boston is too good for me to care about a 10-point win, even without their stars.
2: My opinion on the Boston Celtics did not change after last night. But Correct. What,
1: what last night did do,
2: I think, was reinforced to me that, that Jason Tatum is a legitimate top-of-the-food-chain MVP contender. I, I, think he is, I think he is likely to have the best season of his career. Right now, he's averaging 28.5 points this year, shooting 61% from two, and 40% from three. Christoph Porzingis was a good addition, as was Holiday. We know that he and Jalen Brown, with rare exception in the playoffs, are a pretty darn good tandem. He's going to be more efficient this year than he's ever been, I think by a long shot. And that's because his shot profile is much improved. Jason Tatum's really, I think, sort of entering his full-fledged prime. I think we're going to see him have the best season of his career and what is likely to be the one seed in the conference. I wouldn't say that he's the favorite to win the MVP, but in a long way, I would say Jokic is going to be the favorite
1: perpetually. In, 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 yeah, but in if it's close, run, I think the voters will want to go with Tatum.
2: There's some definite, definite fatigue when it comes to that award, but, but I think Tatum is, is ready to take one more step in that sense. And for, you know, over the course of a long regular season, you do kind of need those moments and for him to have the game that he did last night against their biggest rival without two of the best players on his team, I think that kind of thing does go a long way. Are
1: there teams in sports that you would look at right now and say they've graduated from caring about regular season wins? If Kansas City beats Cincinnati at home?
2: I mean, Kansas City is,
1: is to me, impenetrable. Okay, so if Philadelphia, Philadelphia beats Baltimore at home? Big deal for you? In a it, theoretical matchup, I'm saying. Yes,
2: because things are always going to be a bigger deal in the NFL because they play five times fewer games. Right. You know, in, in, an, in the NBA regular season, what, what you have to do is sort of alter your opinion slightly. Week to week in the NFL, I don't have a problem with changing your opinions on stuff somewhat considerably because... By definition, all of the sample sizes are pretty small.
1: Okay, now, the other thing we got to get to from last night in the NBA, and it is Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com for more information. Doc Rivers, uh, part of the ESPN family calling games, was calling the Kings and the Lakers game, and he did so last night with Dave Patch. And babysitting came up. And as a parent, Hembo and I are both parents, um, the, ba- the act of acquiring a solid elite-level babysitter is one that is hard to do. Yet Doc Rivers may have done it earlier in his life.
0: Doc, you got to tell, who did you hire to be your babys- or Not your babysitter, your kid's babysitter? Well, it was a one-time thing, but when I was in San Antonio, I wanted to go out and we used Dennis Rodman for one night babysitting Austin, which explains Austin and, and some of our kids. I don't know <laughs> if I'm parent of the year or the worst parent. What made you... Go to Dennis Rodman of all the choices. He was over the house, and he actually said, hey, I can do that. I love babysitting. And he did it. He did a great job. The house was a mess. (laughs) You're probably fortunate it was just the house that was a mess, and the kids were okay.
1: So I have many things on this. This is one of the great (laughs) stories ever told on ESPN NBA broadcast, and we have a lot of great stories told on our broadcast on ESPN, the NBA on ESPN. First of all, I can relate because – when you and your significant other or you and your friends want to go out and you have kids, at, at, there's a point where you ask a couple of questions. Is the babysitter breathing and will my kids be breathing at the end of the night? And that is basically the qualifications and the characteristics you're looking for. That at, I have a 10 and a 7-year-old. <laughs> at one point, if it's just like, yeah, you know what? There is a new good restaurant. We do have a reservation. So what? The babysitter's 12. Big deal. Are they still going to be there at the end of the night? And I love my kids. I care about my kids. But finding a good babysitter is really important. So if Dennis Rodman, during that point of his career, demolition man version of Dennis Rodman with the blonde hair, if he was a good babysitter, good for Doc Rivers.
2: I'm stunned by this opinion of yours. I mean, it's much more difficult for me to find a good babysitter considering I have two identical twin girls that are 15 months old. There's not like, easy. My, my wife is not letting Dennis Rodman in our home unsupervised. A good reservation that night, though, dinner-wise? Maybe if he brings Carmen Electra.
1: <laughs> then and, and only if it's then. Not, well, then your wife would definitely not let her babysit. <laughs> I mean, if, if Carmen Electra shows up to your house to babysit, regardless <laughs> of what happens the rest of the night, that's on your wife. I mean, that's on your wife. I mean, let's be honest. I have a friend... And she literally hired a babysitter, and somehow I saw the babysitter, and I said, "You you want her going in your home?" And she said to me, "Do you think my husband could get with her?" I said, "Good point. All right, I back off on that." And That's what she said. <laughs> so you said that you would hire, if necessary, a twelve-year-old.
2: Is that really like the the the, okay. the old, or Excuse me, the youngest that you would. Because that to me is much too young, right? Twelve.
1: Yes, I was. Sixteen, it's, it's maybe. Radio exaggeration, how about? Sixteen.
2: I don't do. So, I don't do nuance at all here. So, so I'm thinking fourteen. Because look, I, I'm at the table here.
1: Sixteen is high school, right? S-
2: Fifteen is high school.
1: So then, yes, high school. You can justify in your head. Okay. But time and circumstance matters. Fifteen-year-old you can hire to babysit if you're going local, if you're in your town, right? So I live like an hour away from New York City. So if I'm going into New York City, the 15-year-old, eh. You're going to need a, a, an upperclassman. Yes, exactly right. A professional upperclassman, whatever it may be. <laughs> a Dennis Rodman type. Right. I need an elite rebounder <laughs> that can play great defense, scrappy, dive on the floor. If it's local five-minute-away dinner, I can hire a 15-year-old. So the, the other part of this, by the way, I don't know if you, you caught this part of this very intricate moment for Doc Rivers. I hired Dennis Rodman, which means he paid Dennis Rodman. What would Dennis Rodman's rate actually be? That's interesting. What year was this? Did, Cam, did they say on the broadcast what year it would have been? Well, it wouldn't have been when was? Doc and, and Rodman were, were together in... Um, it was evening, like 95-96. Oh, okay. Yeah. In San Antonio, he said, right? Yes. So, so Dennis Rodman that year
2: made... He made $2.5 million for those two seasons. A, a paltry salary for uh, Hembo a, player as, <laughs> right, a player as great as, as uh, Dennis Rodman hire is an interesting verb choice because yeah yeah. i mean so that means i mean i'd be surprised if he actually paid dennis rodman cash
1: or he used the word hire here's the thing now that you and i text all the time right um i could say to you hey come i'm in a jam any chance you can come over and watch the kids for Mm -hmm. an hour i'm not hiring you to babysit you wouldn't then say to me sure 20 bucks right i don't i hope right You, you haven't actually confirmed that you wouldn't ask me for money
2: Oh, I wouldn't ask you. Okay. For no, 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 no. You did not confirm. I mean, we're good that. friends that, that text
1: each other one all way all the time. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> we text each other one way. To some we have guy rhetorical, in we have
2: rhetorical conversations
1: <laughs> with each other. But that's the thing. He like did yeah. Dennis Rodman say, "Yeah, Doc, I'll do it," but here's my rate. Yeah, are they negotiating? Yeah. Here? He also he also took a shot at his son Austin Rivers, who now is a great analyst for yeah. us on ESPN, by saying, "Well, that's why Austin turned out the way <laughs> he did," blaming Dennis Rodman. Yeah, the
2: one experience.
1: Yeah, the one experience there. So we ask you guys at eight 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 say ESPN. ESPN, 888-729-3776, the one athlete or coach that you would think would be the worst babysitter and the best babysitter. (laughs) Like the worst babysitter, best babysitter. In my head, Steve Kerr would be an amazing babysitter. We're going to get some bad answers to that question, too. That's the only answer we want. The best and worst babysitters. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. That is your telephone number to be a part of the show here at Greeny on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply
0: it's demon time on prize picks where you can now win up to 100 times your money that's right 100 times your money Types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to PrizePicks.com/Greenberg and use code Greenberg for a first deposit match up to $100. That's PrizePicks.com/Greenberg. Code Greenberg for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Greeny, the podcast. It is
1: Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80 on your smart speaker. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Hembo, Evan Cohen, from Unsportsmanlike, 6A to 10A Eastern Time. In for Greeny today, you can be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper Call Online, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper the ones fans deserve. So the obvious topic of conversation here, Hembo. Right. About babysitting, because Doc Rivers said last night on the ESPN broadcast of the Kings and the Lakers that um, Dennis Rodman was his babysitter.
2: (laughs) It's um, it's hard to believe, because if you were to draft the athletes that you would be most comfortable babysitting your children... Uh, he would be one of the last picks, right? So I don't know what other options were at his disposal. I found it very interesting that he was willing to say so on national TV and then take a shot at his son in the process.
1: Yes, and say that he hired Dennis Rodman, which we have to know the rate for that. (laughs) So, of course, what does that make us do? Which is, of course, take calls on the athlete or coach that would be the worst babysitter or the best babysitter. David in Atlanta joins us on Greeny on ESPN Radio. What's up, David?
0: Hey, man, I got to tell you, it's going to be Draymond Green. Best nothing's or worst? going to happen to those kids. He's, gonna, he's actually both. He's the best because nothing's going to happen to him. He's going to move them. He's going to slap their hand if they try to touch a hot stove. But he's also going to be the worst because ain't no telling what he's going to show them on Instagram. Ain't no telling what he's going to say. You know, ain't no telling who's going to stop by the house with Draymond Green. Well,
1: you know what? Now that I think about it and thanks for the call, yeah. I think Draymond would actually be a great babysitter because anybody that would try to get to his teammate, which would be the kids – he put in a headlock. And and if
2: your kid and Draymond Green played horse, uh, th- your kid might beat him at horse outside. See, you know, Steph see, is a different story. You but have Draymond, Gre-
1: <laughs> you'd think a kid would beat Draymond and horse. I mean, it's, it's it's he's likely to be Draymond Green than most NBA babysitters for sure. <laughs> most NBA babysitters. Like this is the thing. We go to this place because Draymond is not good at shooting in comparison to other NBA players. As if he can't shoot. He can't shoot. You think like an 11 year old kid could beat Draymond and horse? I mean, if
2: you give him like if Draymond. Gives the kid like an h o h o r head start, you know. Like you know, you're playing with a with a handicap. Obviously, if you're playing an NBA player in the front yard,
1: there's no chance an 11 year old beats him in horse. <laughs> Zero chance. <laughs> Daniel in Colorado on Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. What's up, Daniel?
0: Hey, how's it going, guys? Yeah, so uh, I, I'd say that uh, Daniel Jones would be my upperclassman uh, high schooler. Uh, I trust him with my kids
1: any day. That's a good one. Like if you're a boring quarterback. You're probably someone that would be a great baby. But then,
2: then you're worried about Daniel Jones like hurting his neck in the backyard if your kid makes a tackle. You know, so like you have to think about that side of things too. Like it's not going to be that safe for Daniel Jones in that environment.
1: Would Josh Allen give your kid to the neighbors? <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust his decision making in <laughs> <and> high pressure <laughs> moments. Just saying, you take it. I don't want it. Roy, the truck driver, joins us. Greeny, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance.
0: Sellers, sellers. I think doggone Charles Barkley would be terrible. <laughs> I mean terrible. Hey, look, which one of y'all was the one that puts sugar on your tomato for, de- for uh, dessert? Yeah, that was who me, Roy. Was that, was that you, Hembo? That, Yes, that was me, Roy. When you said that that day I had to pull my truck over, you had me sick as hell.
2: I'm
1: sorry to hear you that. You hear me? Okay, wait, we need we need more context on this for those who may have missed so it. Real Hembo.
2: quick, Greeny asked me uh, on Halloween, and Bobby Cam, correct me if I'm uh, overstating this, misstating this. Uh, he asked me what my favorite dessert was, my favorite candy uh, I've made it clear many times I don't like the taste of sugar. My favorite snack is tomato with a little bit of sugar sprinkled on it. It's my favorite dessert, my favorite sweet dessert. Tomato is a fruit. It's
1: technically a fruit. I'm aware. A
2: little bit of sugar sprinkled on top of it is a delicious, delicious post-interview. He
1: also said no candy tastes good. Yo, I heard that yeah, show. I, don't, that I just day. don't like that the was, way that, that was sugar tastes. Okay, so let's go back to the tomato and sugar thing. Where did that come from initially? Where did
2: it, uh, where did it originate? Like where was the first time you tried the that? The first time I saw my, my grandfather, my, my mom's father, excuse me, my, you know, yes, my mom's, my mom's father lives on a farm in Ohio. They you know, plan and, and, and have tomatoes in their garden for many years. He would enjoy doing that after dinner. I wanted to be like grandpa. So I then started doing it. So there's obviously the romantic start of this,
1: uh, but I also love the way that it tastes too and have done it to this day. Interesting. My grandfather, may he rest in peace, was like my best friend. And um, I wanted to be like him too. He was a Mets fan. I rooted for the Mets. We had fun times together. I didn't put tomato, uh, sugar on tomatoes, which mm. is a fascinating thing. I, I, I'm glad you brought up tomatoes though. This is a big topic on, on like last week. How so? So there is a place next to where we are here at the Seaport um, in New York City that is right next door that Greeny, Actually said to me, you have to try this place. It has unbelievable egg sandwiches. So I went to lunch with Greeny, He pointed this place out. He said, anytime you could try it, you got to try it. Okay. I um, decided to try it. Hmm. I ordered uh, an egg white sandwich with Swiss cheese, tomato on bread. Mm. They don't have tomato. What? An egg place does not have tomato. I was floored by this really I, I I had a major problem the rest of the day because the egg place does not have tomatoes. there
2: are very few sandwiches for which I will not put a slice or two of tomato on I it's, agree it's, 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 an, it's an absolutely essential ingredient in almost 100%. everything that's not sugar though well me. I mean you know, again I only like the sugar when the tomato is is by itself that, that's the best way to consume it.
1: But that's like your dessert. You have a g- great meal and then afterwards you just put sugar.
2: I don't like how sugar tastes. And as a result, it also, so that I don't eat it that much. It like, it jolts me up. Like if I, like literally, I'm not kidding at all when I say this. If I had like one Hershey kiss, like one after dinner, it would keep me up an extra hour at night. Like I'm that, like I'm that susceptible to what sugar does to me.
1: Uh, Jay in Delaware joins us on Greeny on ESPN Radio with Hembo and Evco. I'm, I just renamed the show. Uh, go ahead. Hey, good morning, fellas. Uh, yeah, I think the best babysitter would have to be Philip Rivers. He already has twelve kids, That's a good so he's got the practice, and he's probably got great stories. And he was one of the best trash talkers on the on the field. So, like, your kids are already going to be great at trash talking. That is a great point. You go with a Philip Rivers, Ryan Fitzpatrick type. Where you know they have 800 kids already?
2: Antonio Cromartie.
1: But do you have to know the kids' names for this? Because Cromartie <laughs> famously does not know his own children's name. Would you want Nick Cannon as a babysitter <laughs> no, while we're would throwing not. this out there? Okay, just, just throwing that out there. All right, it is Greeny here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPN app, Sirius XM80, and on your smart speaker. So, so much conversation about Mac Jones and his future Patriots have a bye week. Good babysitter.
2: He would be. Uh, I don't know. No, I don't he would know. definitely be a good baby. I don't know that he's
1: good at anything as a Pats fan. I've got to mm. be honest. I don't know. Um, anyway, so Rob Gronkowski, four-time Super Bowl champion, future Hall of Famer, was on Up and Adams FanDuel t- TV with Kay Adams and gave his assessment of Mac Jones in New England. He's not respected in New England. Coach Belichick has played all these games with him. Bailey Zappi isn't even close to being on Mac Jones' level. You should never, ever sit Mac Jones. You tried it once, you tried it twice. It's not working. Now he's doing it again. He won't name start a starting quarterback. He's not respected there. I think Mac Jones should ultimately, even right now, should just go ask for his release. If you're talking to me about what he should do, ask for his release. And then if it's granted, he should go sign with the Cleveland Browns. Okay, a couple of things here. Wow. First of all, I love Gronk on the field. I've interviewed him many times and been around him a couple of times off the field. Couldn't be nicer. Way smarter than people give him credit for. Way smarter. Plays dumb more than he actually is dumb. Think Dan Campbell, Lions, right? Gronk doesn't like Belichick. Like, let's just be, like, that's obvious. Gronk is not a fan of the Patriot way. I also think Gronk knows the Patriot way helped him become a Hall of Famer, and he helped them win Super Bowls. It was mutually beneficial. He's not someone like Brady that actually speaks glowingly still to this day, even though they got rid of him, so to speak, about the Patriot way. That, that's not Gronk's thing. He had more fun in Tampa than he did in New England. So we have to take that with a grain of salt. If Matt Jones were to ask for his release, I think the Patriots would be so happy and they said, good, get out, leave. Like We're not going to get anything for you in the offseason. I don't think that's like a – and Mac Jones could never do that. And by the way, are we sure that if Mac Jones is on the Browns, the Browns are better than whatever they think Dorian Thompson Robinson is going to give them this week? Because they clearly think that DTR is pretty good. The, he, remember, he's the reason, and part of this is playing results with Josh Dobbs, but he's the reason that Josh Dobbs is not there. They thought he could serve that backup role along with P.J. Walker in a way that Josh Dobbs couldn't or Josh Dobbs could at least bring them something back like they got in Arizona. Does Mac Jones have a future in the NFL? Probably. Does he have a future as an intended starter? No. And I use that word intentionally because there are many guys that we say will never start again that end up starting, but not by intention. Baker Mayfield, you know, with the Rams last year and now obviously played his way into a starting job with Tampa. But Matt Jones is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. Mm. No
2: way. So look, I mean, you've watched every snap of Matt Jones' career. Unfortunately. So <laughs> there's, I think there's something to be said, though, in, in coming to his defense. Do I think that he's played well this year? Of course not. But it's also true that, according to our numbers, they have the worst offensive line when it comes to pass protection in five years. When it comes to our numbers, the people that he are, is throwing the ball to, ranked dead last in target separation, and is the worst unit of that kind in the last
1: three years. Well, can I add context to that? Sure. They've been without their starting left tackle for multiple games. They had to move their starting guard to right tackle, and they're without the two best wide receivers they have.
2: So are the Patriots the only team in the NFL that has struggled with injuries on offense this year?
1: Yes, in my mind.
2: <laughs> Here's what I'm saying. I think that Mac Jones stinks, just like you do. Mm-hmm. But I also think that his performance this year is exacerbated by the fact that he, he is not getting good protection That he doesn't have requisite weapons, and last year he was coached by Laurel and Hardy on offense. Like, truly. So,
1: no, you can't say that. Okay, so here's the thing that bothers me about this whole Matt Patricia, Joe Judge thing. Mm. Matt Jones was better last year than he was this year. He was. Right, so we can't keep blaming Matt Patricia, because Bill O'Brien, whether you like him or not, is a proven offensive coach as a coordinator with New England, and Bill O'Brien was was actually an excellent head coach in Houston, made the playoffs with a lack of quarterback play, just wasn't a great general manager. I mean, if you look at what he did in Houston, look at his numbers as a head coach and look at who the quarterbacks were. Everybody just assumes, oh, it was Deshaun Watson the whole time. It was not Deshaun Watson. I think the single best point that I have heard about the New England Patriots and kind of where they are right now is by one person and one person only. And he's sitting to my left and he has no idea what the point is that he made. That is the best point of anybody about the New England Patriots. Enlighten me. Yes. The other day, we are in the kitchen at ESPN at about 5.20 in the morning, and Hembo and I are sitting there arguing, and it's always interesting and amazing to me at ESPN that you could argue about something like the New England Patriots, you turn around, you hear a third voice in the argument, and then, oh, that's Teddy Bruschi. (laughs) He has a little bit more say on this and knowledge of this than we do. And you sat here, and you were arguing with me about the nature in which Belichick has drafted, and Hmm. you, you kept saying that the drafts were horrible. And I said, no, they're not. And I went through some of the players, and people don't care about all the ins and outs of this, but here's what they care about. You made an amazing point that needs to be highlighted. You said, fine, I will give you the players maybe better than I'm giving them credit for. Well, then give me this. They've been drafting as if Tom Brady was their quarterback. Because all of the players that they've drafted, if he was still there, would be Excellent. Mm. My one of my two co-hosts, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, in the morning, six to ten a.m. Eastern on Sportsmanlike, always talks about force multipliers who can join a system and a team and make everybody better. There is nobody better than Tom Brady at that. That all of these guys around New England right now, all could potentially be. They, they may be C level players or B level players. That I believe all would have been A players if that guy was there. Because I kept saying to you, it's the quarterback. It's the quarterback. It's the quarterback. And you made a great point, not a good one, a great one. He texted me about this also. Uh, A great point saying they're drafting for Brady and he's not there. Yeah,
2: I I do remember saying that now. Um, (laughs) I'm glad that you mentioned it. I think that's a very instructive piece of this because my opinion is that Bill Belichick can still really, really coach. And if he wants to coach through his 70s, he can do so successfully. But the delta between Tom Brady and Mac Jones, I mean, the delta between Tom Brady and anyone else is just an absolute chasm. When Tom Brady is your quarterback, the floor of your football team is somewhere between 10 and 12 wins, right? And when Mac Jones is your quarterback, at best you're getting like a league average uh, starting point there. And you're just basically going to be how, uh, how good the rest of your coaching and roster is. But Bill Belichick hasn't modified his draft strategy. Like If you look at the Patriots, their drafts lately, they have not prioritized speed. They have not prioritized weapons. They have not prioritized like, the stuff that happens on the outside on, on, on offense that really matters in the NFL today because it didn't really matter that much when Tom Brady was the one throwing the passes. It really does now. And for him not to make a left turn once Brady left, I think is going to wind up being his undoing in New England.
1: Because of the fact that he believed, and I don't blame him for this because of the success, he believed that even if you put, if Tom Brady, let's do it in number grades, if Tom Brady is a 100 on a test, he's getting 100. Mm -hmm. He believed if I put an 85... I could still be very good. Right. I could still do the exact same things by drafting offensive linemen, spending money in the tight end position, having big, bruising running backs, pass catchers out of the backfield, which they don't have now, but they, they have had in the past, and great interchangeable parts on defense that I can replicate what I've seen previously, even if I put an 85. And the problem is, Mac is nowhere near an 85. He's a 58. Uh, Mac, Mac Jones, I think, is not
2: even a 58, to be honest with you. and that's, But the thing about the, the roster, if you have... As bad an offensive line as you do right now, Tom Brady makes that group better because he delivers the football quickly and with conviction. If you have a group of pass catchers, as bad as you do right now, Tom Brady elevates all those people by the force of his personality.
1: Rache Caldwell, Doug Gabriel, starting wide receivers in an AFC Championship game for the Patriots. Remarkable. That they lost. With precision, right? Yeah.
2: Mac Jones is a product of his surroundings, like most quarterbacks, and his surroundings right now stink. And this is what it looks like. The, again, the delta between the two guys is all the difference in the world.
1: But this is where it's chicken and egg. They stink because I would argue the quarterback is not good. And you're saying they stink because they stink. How many rosters... Well, let's just look at the offense. How
2: many... Let's, and remove all the quarterbacks. How many rosters in the NFL right now do you think are definitively worse than New England's?
1: On offense specifically? On offense specifically. Is Carolina? Probably. Is Tennessee? I mean, they have the best player in Derrick Henry. They have D-Hop, but it's not like he's having a monster season. Yeah, but
2: Henry and Hopkins would
1: be better than anybody the Patriots have from a weapons standpoint. Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, they. but again, I'm now looking at it only through the prism that you told me to look at it through, Mm -hmm. which is they drafted these guys for Brady, but Brady's not there. Because if I told you that Hunter Henry and Mike Gusecki, two big tight ends, were there for Tom Brady, Mm -hmm. you think they'd be good? Yeah. Okay, I I do too. Do you think if Kendrick Bourne and and Devontae Parker were there for Brady, you think they'd be good? Yeah, you think a six round pick out of Liberty, Pop Douglas, who's a slot receiver, would be good with Brady? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, so y- you nailed it. You're, you're almost, you're so smart that you're going so deep on things. You don't need to. You did it. Mm. You solved everybody's woes. There's two things that we will solve together on this show. Okay, okay. The one thing is the the players. The players, Hembo got it. They are drafted for Brady, and he's not there. The coaches. Why they're not successful everywhere else? In addition to not having a quarterback, it's because Belichick coaches are system based. One, two, three, four years of development. Belichick coaches should coach in college, not in the pros. Hmm. Bill O'Brien was excellent in college. Nick Saban, Kirk Ferentz, Pat Hill, all these guys. Charlie Weiss for a minute was excellent in college. For a minute, not for longer than a minute, but for a minute. That, that if you look at what they had and what they've been able to do for a long period of time, it's developed over the course of time. Stash players on a, pa- a practice squad. Develop them over four years. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that sound like? College. College. Mm-hmm. Right? And when you don't have Tom Brady, you cannot do the college approach and when you're alone without belichick or brady you cannot do the we are going to develop these guys long term it doesn't work that way Mm. there's the there's the secret right that you solved it from a personnel perspective and from a coaching perspective No NFL team gives anyone any time anymore to develop. To answer the initial question about Mac Jones, does he have a future outside of New England? Yeah, somebody's going to give him a shot as a backup. Somebody could give him a shot as, you know, you draft Drake May and you need a starter for the first two or three games, UNC quarterback. You draft Caleb Williams, USC quarterback. He's not going to start ahead of him, but you get what I'm saying. You draft Michael Penix, maybe better example, out of Washington, who may or may not be ready right off the bat. Maybe Mac gives you a game. or Maybe you just want to literally say, I want to alleviate pressure on a rookie, and I'm going to have him be the hero and automatically replace somebody who's not as good mm. that's where mac has a future it is greeny here on espn radio alone with hembo evan cohen with you we are brought to you by Granger for the ones who get it done Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you facilitate at your facilities excuse me safe and people safer call click Granger.com, or just stop by today coming up the most storied franchise arguably in all of sports could actually be closer to a rebuild than a title. We'll get to that coming up. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
0: Battle is the only punishment here. Now streaming. FX's Shogun. War!
2: My master asks what do you seek here?
0: To vanquish our common enemies. War! Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. Take, take, war! Epic saga of war, passion, and power. That's it, come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. Greenie, the podcast.
1: It is Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app Sirius XM80, your smart speaker, and all of our great ESPN stations across the country. Along with Hembo, Evan Cohen, in for Greenie today. Normally you hear me on Sportsmanlike, ESPN Radio, 6A to 10A Eastern with Michelle Smallman and Chris Canty. Well, now we are really going to put the ball on the tee, pun intended, for Hembo. Because Hem- I-, I love, when I get the word from Hembo, I have a theory on something. I have a take on something that may be a little bit unique and a little bit different. So yesterday, Blake Snell, Padres, wins the Cy Young in the National League, his second Cy Young. He previously won for the-, the Rays. And Garrett Cole, Yankees, win the Cy Young. Okay. All right, nice little story. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Awesome season for both of them. That's great. Hembo, should both of them be on their respective teams next year? (laughs) The answer is no. Well, Blake Snell's a free agent.
2: And so Blake Snell is going to sign a ridiculous contract with a new team, despite the fact that no team should overpay for that, because he's not going to be able to duplicate
1: that. Even though he just duplicated that.
2: No, he did not. Blake Snell is not going to be able to do that again because he played with fire all season long. But that's not really the point. Mm-hmm. The point is that the Yankees should trade, should trade Garrett Cole, who just won the Cy Young. He's going to pitch next year at 33. I want you to sort of follow my logic trail here and see if I can, if you'll meet me halfway. So I don't think that, if, thinking about this from like an asset management standpoint, I don't think Garrett Cole's stock is likely to ever be higher than it is right now. He's coming off of his best season as a Yankee. There are a lot of miles, obviously, that he has already driven. He has, generally speaking, stayed really, really healthy. He's got a contract that allows him to opt out after next season. You're going to pay him $36 million next year, and then he can opt out. He's also got a no-trade clause. So when you sort of figure out like the Garrett Cole side of things and juxtapose that with where the Yankees are right now, which is in a really undesirable, somewhat precarious position, this is the guy to trade. You can get younger You can restock your system. You can enable yourself to get more liquid. Who knows? Maybe you can even throw on another big contract that you want to get rid of with Garrett Cole to whoever acquires him and give yourself a chance for like a fast, quick,
1: expedited rebuild. What say you? Okay, a couple of things on this. First of all, I appreciate the creativity behind it. I love the idea that the day after a guy wins a Cy Young You're saying to get rid of him. I also appreciate the day after the Cy Young for Blake Snell, his second one, you say he can't repeat this as he literally won his second Cy Young. I mean, there's
2: not a third league for him to win one in.
1: (laughs) Oh, so the the knock on Blake Snell is that there's American League, National League, and there's no beer league. There's no
2: federal league anymore. (laughs) When did that go out? Uh, 1914.
1: You know that off the top of your head? I'll double check. I don't think he... That. Bubba, do you think he needs to double-check on He does that? not need to double-check. He knows exactly when it is. That is remarkable that he just came up with that. Anyway, so... 1915, excuse me. Oh, God, get him out of here. <laughs> get him out of here. <laughs> what do you know? How does Greeny employ this guy? I don't even understand so Here's this. my thinking, though. Like,
2: I think Garrett Cole's brilliant. I think he's a Hall of Fame pitcher. But I also think that the Yankees have to go into some kind of modified, expedited rebuild because they have been passed by younger, more athletic, cheaper teams within their own division. And from an asset management standpoint, the Yankees are very, very light when it comes to the you know, quality in their system and on their big league roster. Garrett Cole by himself is worth five to seven wins per year. But if you trade Garrett Cole right now while his stock is at an all-time high, especially considering the fact that he can opt out and he can walk after next season for nothing but a compensatory pick, that actually puts the Yankees in a tough spot. You trade him right this second, it also gives you the opportunity to sign younger guys this offseason. So if I'm the Yankees, I'm looking towards winning a- a- at a- Juan Soto. Juan Soto. You could trade for Juan Soto. You could sign uh, Yamamoto, whose uh, agent you just upset because yeah, I don't of all there- those things. <laughs> Joel <laughs> they- Wolf,
1: the agent, is not happy with the Yankees anyway. So I think all of these points make a lot of sense. And but, I'm not, I'm not anti—go ahead. But? No, I'm waiting for your but. Oh, so here's the thing that I would say. I don't think the Yankees fit into what is the current model of the way in which baseball works. If mm. you look at some of the World Series champions recently, the Texas Rangers were really bad a couple of years ago. The Houston Astros were really bad. Right, And they won multiple times. 2000, and go back to 2015. The Royals, before winning, really bad. The Cubs, before winning, really bad. Mm-hmm. They tore it all down. The Red Sox, even for a minute, tore it all down. Mm. The Nationals, previously, kind of tore it all down. It's good. The Yankees are never going to do what they actually need to do to win, which is tear the whole thing down and not just say we're going to have an 80-some-odd win season – We're going to have a 60-some-odd win season. And so what you're actually suggesting is just going about this a similar way but younger. Yeah. And so the only way out of this, the only way that I could see the Yankees and and their fans, which is really important here, the only way I could see that actually working is if literally they said to a team, we're going to give you Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole wants to go there. He's going to waive his no-trade cause to come to you. The only way we're going to do it is if you take Stanton with him. Ooh. So you can have him. And we're actually not even going to ask you for that much in return We are going to now have a clean slate of a of a blank checkbook in essence. Hmm. And we're gonna restart this thing. And I don't think they're gonna do it necessarily in the way in which you wanna do it, because the better way is probably to just trade Garrett Cole for prospects, is you're saying that's what I'm saying. But you still then have what you have already deemed to be a Stanton problem. Because I think what Brian Cashman did in going at Stanton was trying to beg him to ask out. Yeah. That's my theory with this. Good. And so I do wonder what's better for them. In your hypothetical, is it to trade Cole for prospects? or to trade Cole to get off of the Stanton contract? A, uh,
2: I, what the Yankees need is more good players. That, that's the, the, the thing about the Yankees right now is that while they have like, the celebrities in their lineup, while they have Garrett Cole, the system is kind of thin. They haven't produced good young players uh, lately, to the extent to which they did, that preceded their last dynasty, right? Not by any stretch of the imagination. They've been passed by teams in the American League within their own division. Teams are younger. Teams are using analytics better. Teams are using the eye test better. Like it almost feels to me like time has kind of passed Brian Cashman by. I've defended that guy a lot. I think he's good at his job. But right now the Yankees are in a tough spot. The reason why I think Garrett Cole is the guy to trade is because it gives you like the opportunity to get stuff that you can't do yourself, right? You can sign Garrett Cole because you have the money. But good young players are hard to come by. And Garrett Cole right now is your ticket to ride to get those guys. What the Yankees should never do, though, is totally tear it down and rebuild because they don't have to because the Yankees can afford to pay, you know, 150 to $200 million a year in payroll, even if they are rebuilding. What they should look like is the Dodgers because the Dodgers know how to draft and develop people. And they also spend at the big league level. That is sort of the, the, the shining city on a hill that the Yankees need to be looking to attain. So...
1: Everything you're saying makes sense, but we're talking about the Yankees. Right. We're talking about a fan base that does not... It's not that they don't understand. They completely understand all of this. The Yankee fan base is extremely intelligent. The concept of saying, we have a Cy Young award winner, let's trade him. Mm -hmm. And let's trade him for guys we really don't know who they are, who are not going to play in 2023, but are going to play in 24, 25 at the earliest. Mm -hmm. Does that feel Yankee-like to you? It does not feel Yankee-like to me. I think it would be very difficult for Yankees fans to see Garrett
2: Cole shove for a different team next year i think that would be really tough to swallow but if you're in brian cashman's shoes those opinions are not material because if you like if you follow my logic and you reach a point where like yeah that makes sense based, based upon the set of circumstances then the people calling into the local talk shows don't matter and shouldn't matter at
1: all well everything they've done this offseason has been the antithesis of the way in which the yankees operate cursing at press conferences <laughs> calling out their own players I think that feels very unlike Yankee like and so would this. Coming up, Super Bowl re- rematch almost upon us. We'll get to that next. screening on ESPN Radio.
0: Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.